Did you just say, if you're a homebody like me and you don't like to travel? Yeah. You travel so much. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's, that's, I thought I didn't hear that correctly. Welcome to Coach Street, the premium podcast that brings you insider coaching conversations from the fast lane. When coaches need to shift gears, they come to the Coach Street podcast. Grab a coffee and buckle your seatbelts as host Andrea Lee from The Wealthy Thought Leader and Robin Logan from Coach Campus learn what drives the world's most successful coaches. Well, hi everyone, welcome to season two, episode two of Coach Street. I'm Robin Logan here in Hong Kong, and that's Andrea Lee in Vancouver. Hi, Andrea. Hi, from from one side of the Pacific to the other. Great to be here. Yeah, it's excellent. I love the whole season thing. It makes me giggle. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it how people operate with podcasts in the big league. So get used to it. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm looking forward to season 10. People can, you know, back order, get the whole collection. Very cool. So this episode, we're going to look at travel, which is no coincidence because I'm actually traveling. You travel all the time. Yes. So it's a great topic. Travel and coaching and what it is like to be a coach who travels, but also the role of travel in a coaching business, a coaching practice, is it important? Is it essential? How can we make the most out of travel? What are some tips for traveling as a coach? And different topics like that, which we hope you will find completely fascinating. Robin, maybe we could start out with you. About how often do you travel? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I would travel more if it wasn't for my kids. So I can see that I will travel more in the future. Because running a virtual company, so you know we have 40 staff located around the world and all our students from over 90 countries, the thing I do know when we travel, when I travel, and if I do travel, I always have a meetup, even if it's not the purpose for my travel. Mm-hmm. I will always, no matter what city I'm in, connect with ICS students and have a meetup. And it's so incredibly valuable. It's so wonderful to meet face-to-face. After online, in fact, Pin was saying that, Pin Chen, our program director who lives in China, we were talking about the whole offline, online thing because we're actually thinking of doing some face-to-face training in China next year, mm-hmm. which is interesting for us because you know most training companies started face-to-face and then they add an online component, mm-hmm. but we were always online and now we're adding a face-to-face component, which Pin tells me is O2O, Andrea. You heard of that one? No. O2O, everyone is a big thing. In China, it's offline to online. Mm. And it actually comes from e-commerce, just to segue off for for a bit, but it's a term that came about from online retailers having online businesses, but then going offline. So going face-to-face. So for example, in China, I saw a couple of businesses that are just shop fronts. There's nothing there. It's just Mm -hmm. a... It's just a window, actually. So the rest of the building of the shop is either they're living in it or using it for something else. And the window display is their offline presence in Mm -hmm. the the main street of a shopping center. So it's quite a few of those. Anyway, we were talking about this whole concept of going from um, online to offline. Mm 
and we were talking about how to structure the program. You know, should we start with two days face-to-face, then there's six months online, then end with two days face-to-face. And Tim came up with this interesting concept of, she, she said, no, we just should start straight away with online mm-hmm. and then go offline because she thinks that part of the magic of the ICA meetups is the fact that the relationships began online. So that you know these people in quite an intimate way and if the opportunity comes to meet face-to-face, you make a real effort to do that more than you probably would if you were just traveling to meet a bunch of strangers. Mm-hmm. Yep, I would agree. It's, it's a very fascinating world we live in, and I think to really sort of give us a starting point, especially for coaches who are just beginning, it can look extremely complicated. It can seem like it would be very expensive and confusing, frankly, as to what role travel plays and what role it needs to play. So I think, Robin, I would like to start just, you know, to make sure for the record that everyone who's listening understands that you absolutely do not have to have any travel in your coaching business. So if you're like Robin and you're a mom or you're just a homebody like me and you don't like to travel or you feel like you don't have the startup costs or capital to fund travel – There is no reason why you cannot rely solely on an online strategy. Mm -hmm. Start there, like what Pin is suggesting, and gradually, as your lifestyle permits it, you could grow into travel. But as someone who's traveled a lot, not only in my 15 years of being a coach, but in previous careers, it can be less glamorous and candidly less profitable than it seems. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, very, very costly, not just from a strictly dollars and cents point of view, but from a life force energy perspective. I was just at the acupuncturist, can you tell? Life force energy. So figuring out where your personal preferences are around travel. Do you want to make it a part of your business every month? You're going out to certain places. Do you want to do it only occasionally? Um, That sort of thing. You can succeed as a coach at all different levels with all different kinds of permutations of travel. Did you just say in there, if you're a homebody like me and you don't like to travel? Yeah. You travel so much. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's, that's what, I thought I didn't hear that correctly. I mean, that, what, what you're saying is absolutely true. And you know what? People think travel is glamorous and it's just exhausting. And particularly like well, me with kids, I do actually try to only do it if I have to Hmm. but of course once I do it I love it I do love Hmm. travel but I'm surprised that you're a homebody who would prefer not to travel you know I think there is a real art and science to figuring out the right amount of travel that makes you happy as a person and as a coach and also helps your business to thrive I firmly believe that for certain target markets for certain kinds of coaches Travel is an excellent idea. There can be lots of benefits of traveling, especially if you like to speak from stages or you particularly like to network in person. Traveling can be really a great way to find great clients around the world. And let's face it, it is exotic. It is really cool to have a client in Hong Kong, to have a client in Poland, to have a client in Argentina. I mean, ICA is an incredible example of you know, the combination, the magic combination that can happen when you have online relationships forged and then you once in a while go ahead and travel. So do you think it's important 
for people who are considering building their coaching business around some travel, you don't think it's essential. You don't, you don't, you don't need to travel to be um, successful, well, it's, do you? It's, I guess the question is, why are you traveling? Uh-huh. So if you're traveling to meet a client, then no, it's not essential, but you do have to, it is, it is difficult or challenging. It can be challenging to have the client see that it's not essential. So last night we had a, a meetup in here in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong's quite, you know, the melting pot with lots of expats. You know, there was a British woman who's been living in Norway and a couple of Chinese people. And they were telling me that with their clients, they often find the client really wants to meet face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And they, that's, that's one reason they might travel, but not very far, but say perhaps from, perhaps from Hong Kong to Shanghai. They, they might dovetail it into a holiday or something like that mm-hmm. and they'll meet meet the client and have a couple of sessions face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And once that's been established and the relationship's been established, they can move to just telephone coaching. Yep. So I think that's one. You know, for that type of travel, I would probably try not to do it. I would try and really have the client experience coaching on the phone and just, you know, perhaps even don't charge them. Like just say, look, let's just have a session if you really if you've got a client that really thinks it can't work let's just have a session and see how it goes i mean in my experience once the client does have the session on the phone it's completely fine mm-hmm. or um, i would say robin another alternative is to guess what have them travel to you yeah that's a great idea mm-hmm. so there are certain i think there's definitely certain target markets like especially executive coaching oftentimes it comes with a bit of a training component. So a client will say, yeah, I want to see you face-to-face. People who are doing things like movement coaching or um, we have you know, people who are doing like maternity coaches and things that, that have an, a physical element, a creativity coaching that has to do with making giant statues and things like that often mm-hmm. do have a little bit of a bias towards face-to-face work that could benefit from travel. But like Robin, you're saying, I think that you can be judicious about doing a little bit of it, leveraging it, maximizing the travel, and then moving on into to phone. We have actually someone in our community who is a herbalist who used to do only work, all her consultations and coaching about health and wellness were face-to-face, and only recently has been able to move away from that, and now she gets to choose. Mm. So it definitely, definitely can work. It's your, yours to choose. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, the best reason as a coach to travel would be to hold a group event. Mm-hmm. You know, that I would travel for because it's, it's leveraged, not just mm-hmm. financially, but also time and energy. Yeah. You can go to a particular location, you can hold a group workshop or group training, invite lots of people, and it's a great way to either get started if you're wanting to launch in a particular area or to just develop the clients that you've got. And you do a few of those, don't you? Yeah. Well, and so here's a great way to start. So you're thinking, well, this is fascinating. I would like to travel. And maybe Robin and Andrea are like, I don't know, grumpy old women who don't want to travel anymore. (laughs) But we, you know, you want to. That's great. I love that. What you could do is, in fact, you alluded to this, Robin. Maybe you have your parents live in a particular city. 
you could travel to them and arrange to find a venue and very simply have a small gathering that would piggyback and leverage that existing travel. Yeah. Um, that would be a lovely way to start. Maybe you are going on vacation somewhere. Maybe you're going somewhere where you've never gone before and you could do the same. Or maybe you're thinking of going somewhere for a family vacation or just a, a, a jaunt on your own and you have a client who lives in an exciting place. You could go there on purpose, deliver extra value to them, have a great vacation and you've leveraged once again the yeah. airfare and the yeah. accommodation. So leveraging I think is a really key word. People often really, they, people, I realized this this year, Robin, it's much like what you just said. They think I travel all the time and they really don't understand how I do it. It's true. I, I do a lot of travel, especially this past year. I'm looking actually forward to a, a year of contrast next year of doing very little and judicious traveling. But the, the reason that I do it well, the reason I've done it the last couple of years especially is I make sure to squeeze out every ounce of juice out of every single trip. Um, so <laughs> so know, do I. It's yeah. <laughs> In my itinerary, I swear, it looks like I'm yeah. the, the, the crown princess of Norway or something. I'm just, you know, from this minute to this minute, I'm here. From this minute to this minute, it's like the logistics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, reminds me of when I used to work at the embassy of Japan and had to organize a diplomatic trips. But it is, you know, part of the way that I feel I'm paying my dues because it, I don't take it lightly that, you know, jet fuel is a precious commodity. So I always, for example, if I have a free lunch and I'm traveling, I will reach out to the community and just like on Twitter and say, I'm going to be having lunch. I'm near here. Who, has a, who knows a place and who wants to come over? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, sometimes I know I've, I've seen people who've, said, hey, lunch with Andrea, you pay $20, and the first person who buys, buys my lunch and sits yeah. beside me, you know? And then all of a sudden, you have a table of 10 people that are 10 leads for coaching, yeah. um, and you get to network, and you may leave with a few clients. Yeah. So these are all creative ideas for how you can make the most out of traveling if you choose to do it. Look, I do exactly the same, and the itinerary this time, it honestly was insane. The last three nights because the main reason I'm over here now is for the ICF conference in Taiwan in Taipei which was brilliant by the way so that was great but why come all the way over here if I, and I was flying back through Hong Kong but with you know two hours in the airport well why do that if I can actually turn that into an overnight and then also go into Shenzhen where we have 20 graduates so I added on these three nights but seriously, we have arrived, like, you know, getting off the plane, on the ferry, on the ferry, over to China, into Zhuhai, which was the first city. I think we arrived at 11 p.m. And then we had the event 10 a.m. the next morning. Then the whole day is full. Then on the ferry, back to Hong Kong, arrived, oh no, back to Shenzhen, arrived at 5 p.m. The meetup is at 6.30 then to Hong Kong, arrived at, I think we arrived at 4.30 and the meetup was at 6. Right? So there's a, an hour in between <laughs> each time we arrive somewhere. And Sunny, who I'm traveling with, she got to Hong Kong last night and she looked terrible. And I said, you know what, Sunny, you could, why don't you just spend the night in the hotel? And she nearly kissed me. She ah! was so exhausted. So, but it's funny because I think it's what it told me, and I'm not saying that Sunny's a weakling by any means, but Back to what you said right at the beginning about the art and the skill of managing your energy. Mm -hmm. I sort of forget that actually I have a great capacity for this because 
I really manage it. I manage, you know, what I'm eating, when I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. I've got it all mapped out and I just push it through, I push through and, and get it all done. But it's, it takes practice, I think. Yeah. It, it takes stamina. It, it absolutely requires a certain set of tools. And there's also, I think, a, a kind of mindset towards personal ritual that would be interesting to talk about. So maybe let's start with tools. Do you have any recommendations, Robin, with regards to how to stay connected or habits that you have with regards to your technology that make it mm-hmm. easier for you to travel and be a coach? Well, interestingly, this time I've found, because it depends where you're traveling and what sort of bandwidth you have, but for starters... I always make sure the hotel has Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if there's no breakfast. I can go without food, but I can't go without Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, like, critical. Mm-hmm. And then if you're in places where there isn't Wi-Fi, which sometimes can happen, it's knowing where to go. So often the bookshop mm-hmm. in the town or fancy restaurants, expensive restaurants, you know, go and have a coffee. Mm-hmm. They'll definitely have Wi-Fi. So just chasing the Wi-Fi and knowing how to get connected to that. That's my number one, you know, anywhere I go. The second thing is, and this is a really, like, a good tip, don't do data roaming, international data roaming. Buy a data pack if you're going to be in a, in a, in a place for a particular period of time. So in Taiwan, we arrived. We, we knew we were there for five days. Data roaming would be so expensive. It would cost thousands of dollars. At the airport, you can buy pretty much now all through China, um, all through Asia, really, SIM cards the minute you get off, and they have packages for different countries. So for $300, we got unlimited bandwidth SIM card. And what we did, if there's three or four people traveling, just one person buys the SIM card and has one phone operating as the the Wi-Fi hub, and then everybody hotspots off that phone. That's a hot tip, yeah. That's a hot tip. And the second hot tip... Thanks to PIN, you know, one of the train trips we were on was a five-hour train trip. And, of course, what happens, I mean, train trip, perfect for working, catching up on stuff, right? Two and a half hours in, three hours in, well, everybody's laptops are, you know, gone. Everybody's phone is running out of battery. Mm-hmm. And PIN whips out her portable charger. Yeah. Unbelievable. I've bought three. I bought three to take home. Yep. These are fantastic. I mean, I had one in the past, but it wasn't very, it was back in the early days when it, they first came out. Mm-hmm. This is great. It's like a little USB. And yep. we shared this amongst, uh, we, everyone decided Pin was their best friend from then on. <laughs> in. We were calling her best friend. Everyone wants to sit next to her. Way to go, Pin. <laughs> Way to go. And we plugged in. But that is like ultimate tip. You've got your charging pack. You've got your Wi-Fi pack. Set, set to go. They're my yeah. top two. Those are brilliant. I'll only add that, yeah, the personal charging pack, that is now basically an indispensable, like, you know, you need your AC converter, your, you know, if you're going mm-hmm. to countries that have different power than mm-hmm. those of us here, let's say if I were to go over to England or to India or whatever, I would need different power. You can't even get in um, yes. to, to juice my laptop. The, the sort of personal char- charger for the laptops and so on like that. You can do it in a rental car. You can ju- Anywhere you can get yes. juice. I've been known to, you know, plug my stuff in in the bathroom and sit there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because there is no other place to get power. Yeah. Hot spotting is interesting. Yeah. I have been known to actually go around and find, um, excuse me, is this Percy's hotspot? Are you Percy? <laughs> 
and and because I couldn't get on, no matter what I tried, my SIM card, whatever, and I really needed to get on just a bit be- before getting on a flight or whatever. Percy, oh my God, I noticed you have a hospital. I know this is really weird. I'm not stalking you, and I swear to God, I don't have a any, a weapon. I've just gone through security. Would you mind if I plugged in for just a tiny bit? And you know what? People oh. are so nice. It's really. I wouldn't do that as a matter of course. Like, I have a client appointment. I need to go find someone who will let me beg their hotspot. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's not beyond – it's like borrowing someone's cell phone. It really isn't. There's no skin off their back, really, to help you with that. You know what? Um, that, is, that is so funny. And Look, I do the same, actually, at the airport on the way through this time. In Taipei, my charger was packed in my case. Mm-hmm. Well, not my charger, my adapter. Mm-hmm. Right, so I couldn't. I had my charger, and because that's the other thing, always in waiting in in lounges. You know, you you sit. I'm, I'll, I'll sit on the floor, and often just look for the Coke machine. Just go yeah. look for the Coke machine. That's where the PowerPoint is. Right, plug in. Right, these are hot so tips, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I couldn't find, I couldn't do it because I didn't have my adapter. And I saw this guy sitting next to the Coke machine. There was two of them huddled around. So I went over and I just checked out what they were doing. And this guy had, I've never seen one of these. It's like, you know, the white part of the Apple charger, of the iPhone yeah. charger that you can pull the USB thing in and out of. Yeah, The little square white thing. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. He had one of those and it had four USB points in it. It's hung. I tell you, Asia, they have all these toys. Yeah, and I haven't found one. Anyway, and there was, you know, one free. <laughs> so I made a new friend and sat down and, you know, huddled with these other boys and we all charged our gear. These are the kinds of things that travel reduces you to, everyone. Yeah. Thank you very much, everyone. And we'll both take a bow because I have been not beyond this as well. But yeah, power adapter, personal charger. So I have one more on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other really great tip, right? This is ready for this one. So as you as you say, when you go to each new country, you need the adapter for you know the power in that country. So I've got three devices, and I don't know what other people do, but I travel with my laptop, with my iPhone, and with my iPad because I really like to just sometimes go down to the coffee shop with my iPad or lie in bed watching telly with my iPad. So I have these three devices. So instead of taking three adapters for every country, so now I went to three countries this time, that would be nine adapters, mm-hmm. I travel with a little power board mm-hmm. with four outlets, like an extension power board yep. and one adapter. And the minute I get into my hotel room, I whip it out, whack it in, and then bang, 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 all the devices get plugged in. Yeah. It's great. And so we'll definitely look to provide some links so that you guys can look this stuff up. These are things that I highly recommend that you, you know, have a look at, give test drives, and then you will – basically, I have doubles of everything that I, I – I'll use some of these things in my regular life, like my personal charger, but I have doubles that I keep in my overnight bag. So when I'm traveling, if I have to, by any chance, go quickly, everything's in there. It's doubles, kind of like toiletries. Try to have doubles yeah. of everything so you're not, you know, you save on packing. When you start to travel a lot, these are things that really reduce stress and really reduce anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some rituals that you do in the hotel room? Anything to, to help you with sleep or rest, overcome jet lag, things like that, Robin? I'm just thinking. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting to me that both of us are like, our first point we want to talk about was, you know, connecting, staying connected and making sure everything's powered up. I'm just trying to think. Not really. I can't think of any actual rituals. I make sure I've got water. 
oh, milk, I make sure I buy my own milk and put it in the bar fridge or if I'm thirsty or if I want something, I'll eat it out of the bar fridge yeah. and then just go to the 7-Eleven and replace it in the morning. There's two things that I do before settling down and that is mm-hmm. definitely to make sure I have breakfast. Yes. Um, I, you know, with time zone changes and with the need to be able to get on the phone and coach quickly or go down to a meeting or what it meet, you know, something like that, I always like to be independent and put breakfast in my own control. Um, So whether it's some nuts or a piece of fruit or something before I head up to my room. And obviously in many cases you'll have the opportunity to do room service, but again, it's outside of your control. It brings someone to your hotel room that's knocking that you might be on an important meeting or call. So something that's within your control. And then the second thing is I, I have a personal ritual that actually I find makes a huge difference. And that is to, I actually have some, I do try to be careful with this because I don't want to make enemies in the housekeeping department everywhere (laughs) I go, but I have a bit of duct tape that I pack with me that I use to cut off little pieces and cover up the lights, the lights that are going to stay on um, after the main lights are off. So television, the little red light, the alarm clock light, I use a little piece of tape to very gently tape shut at the bottom of the curtains, if they're hanging open, this thing, it makes a huge difference for me personally as far as sleep, which is at a premium when when traveling. Yes. Yes. So it's something that I always, always do. And That yeah. is such a great tip. And, it, you know, as you were talking about that, it made me realize I, I do the same thing, mm-hmm. but I just I position all my objects. Like I put something in front of that. I put something in front of that. But the curtains get me every time. Mm-hmm. It really, that's a great idea because there's always that little slit that you can't quite close. And then at 6 a.m., you've got light streaming on your face. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good tip. You know, and so one of the things that I think would, would be good to bring us back to, which is, you know, kind of where I come from around travel for, for coaches and those of us who are, you know, bringing excellent coaching around the world to our clients and workshops and so on. Tell me this, Robin, do you think that people would hire a coach who was well-rested, traveled well, efficiently, effectively, versus someone who really did not take care of themselves, really did not sleep well, looked haggard when they arrived at the meeting? Do you think that makes a difference to the fees that they pay, whether they'll hire them again? I do think so. And actually, it, it reminds me of something Mercy said in her keynote speech at the conference in Taipei. She said, as part of her thing, she was talking about sleep, and she said, I manage sleep like other people manage money. Mm-hmm. Because you never know when, you, when it's not going to be there, and you need to build up reserves. I and it's true. Watching her woman. travel. It's, isn't that great? Like, watching her travel, she will just go, like, it'll be mid-afternoon, we're at the conference, she goes, right, I'm going back to my room. I'm, I need to sleep. And you go, okay then, Bye. And off she goes. She's absolutely focused on managing her sleep. I tell you what, as coaching gets more competitive, okay, the people who are, for example, running around with a whole bunch of sleep debt, I like to call mm-hmm. it sleep debt, you know, you can mm-hmm. see it in the bags under their eyes. They're carrying a lot of sleep debt. It's like a mortgage. It's yeah. to keep you getting drained. You know, you are not going to get the gig compared to somebody else who is taking excellent care. So although it may seem indirect, a lot of these things that we're we're sharing, I I know they're really hard one. 
I remember there was, you know, in my young, young, young coaching days, in my first couple of years, oh, I, I thought it was a badge of honor to just kill myself and be exhausted. Yeah. Um, I was important if that was the case. Yeah, definitely the opposite. You are extra cool in our books if you will proactively take extra good care of yourself when you are traveling. You, you're a role model, after all, to your clients. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really good. Well, that's, that's a lot of really great tips for people on traveling. You know, there's just one more. We touched on it earlier, the idea of uh, leveraging. Mm-hmm. And if you, you're going to a particular place to, you know, do as much as you can in that place. And you mentioned, you know, if you're on a holiday, you could also, you know, do a meetup or do whatever in that city. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, that's something I've, I've stopped doing. Mm-hmm. So I think I used to do that. And I think it's a great thing to do if you, you know, really looking at your finances, of course, mm-hmm. it's a really good leverage way to do it. But I just find now that it really is something that, I'm just trying to think how to explain it. I'm in a different head, set, head zone, you know, when I'm with my family and I've got my kids and, you know, to have to organize them to stay at the hotel or be up in the room while I go, you know, I remember this one event in Lisbon. I had a dinner organized and I thought it would be fine. They could stay in the room and I would just go down and went, I'd just be two doors away. And my daughter was really upset and, you know, just for whatever reason, when you travel, kids get antsy. Mm-hmm. And it just... I ended up going, but it was it didn't feel good. I remember thinking to myself, ah, you know, I just I'm, I just shouldn't have done the work thing. But for me, because I'm always trying to squeeze, like I couldn't bear to be there and not do it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm really practicing the, I'm just here because I want to be here with my family and I don't have to do work. I think that's super. I, I mean, to me, it's like I like to think of, coaches is having seasons in their business. Like when you're a toddler, you might do more mixing um, yeah. because, you know, you really, you're experimenting a lot more. As you grow up into the teenage <laughs> season, you know, being a teenager in your business, mm-hmm. that might evolve and shift. But as you become more of an adult, which I would say you're definitely an adult most of the time, Robin, you are behaving. I'm, I'm ready for the age care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> elder care. This you, you start to become more discerning. There are certain things you're not willing to sacrifice. There are certain things you want to preserve um, more so than leveraging every dollar or making your every lost dollar as a coach. I'm very similar. We don't have kids, so it's one of those things that really lets me off the hook of a lot of things. I get away with a lot because I don't have kids. But I will say, for example, next week we'll be going into, Mike and I will be going into Vancouver. We live on Vancouver Island, so we make this trip. It's a trip to go see my parents. And, you know, do have a little bit of fun in the city because we live here in the country. I do have two meetings that need to occur in Vancouver. Would ideally like to occur? And I'd very much like to not have to travel twice to Vancouver during this winter break. Uh So the the criteria I'll give you for those of you who are advanced in thinking like Robin, yeah, I really need to be careful. Absolutely so agree. That disappointment, you know, from a child is like that's, not worth it, you know? But how I like to do it, so I don't disappoint my husband in this case, is to do my meetings before. So I'm going to travel on Sunday, go do Ah. a meeting on Sunday. I have meetings on Monday. Mike arrives Tuesday, and I'm done. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, that's a great idea. And be finished. So that there's a, it's less overlapping. It's just the logistics that are still in common on the trip. Yeah. Um, And then likewise, as a, a kind of a final thing, 
is that when you aren't traveling, when you're not traveling with the spouse or a loved one or family, I have learned, this is, this is something that's been actually painfully learned, so I'm so happy to pass it on, is that after I'm done on my business trip, it is really, really good not to head straight home. Mm-hmm. It's really good to at least have an evening to yourself yeah. before you race home. I think of it as a yeah. re-entry. It's a re-entry yeah. period, um, yeah. especially when I've been hosting live events like three-day workshops when it's just been right full out, you know, yeah. full throttle for five days, and then boom, turn around and I'm home. Yeah. I will tell you, this is like couples therapy nirvana. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. A day of reentry is really, really good. Yeah, yeah. And, and particularly as well with kids. I mean, it's a really challenging, the reentry can be really challenging. And particularly for me, because I'm the, if you like, the stay at home parent. So what happens when I go away is that that completely switches around. And when I return, I just have to be really aware not to, I just have to stand back for like a day or two. It's quite interesting, the whole re-entry thing. It's, <laughs> it's not strange. about you. Once you get home, you've been sort of the celebrity or the coach, mm-hmm. you're being fed in, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing. You know, when we go out to hotels and we get room service, there's a certain level of feeling like yes. the queen or the king, you know. Yes. Um, when you get home, that's probably opposite. Oftentimes, you're the one that's, you know, wiping bums or noses and making yeah. shoes, you know. <laughs> yeah. so there's a definite shift that we want you to mm-hmm. acknowledge as a coach that yeah. the, the sort of more successful you are and the more that you travel, the more you're going to want to be really gentle and allow yourself yes. to reassume your home life. Yeah. Um, and do that in uh, using the appropriate amount of time. Yeah. So, you know, that maybe we can end on, on this concept, yeah. but I'm thinking it occurred to me that as coaches, we can use a lot of our coaching skills on ourselves while we travel. Mm. And an example of that is I, I gave a talk at a university in, in Zhuhai on coaching. And I was talking to the graduates, they're, well, they're about to be graduates, about coaching skills and and I picked like four or five that I believed were skills for life not you know in not like outside of the coach client relationship and to demonstrate it I used an example from our travel and I'll share it with you now because I think it's a really good example of how to use your coaching skills while you travel and we all know those people that are bad travelers right Mm. like what are what are bad travelers like they panic they get stressed when things go wrong. And what we know for sure when we travel, things go wrong. That's for sure. So what happened was we were coming from Taipei to Zhuhai via Hong Kong. So we flew into Hong Kong and then you can get the ferry into China straight from there. And it's really cool. You don't even go through customs. Mm-hmm. It's sort of weird. It's like, you know, I was saying to Sunny, like, if I committed a crime now, where, what country am I in? You're not really anywhere. <laughs> That's an intriguing question to be asking yourself there, Robin. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think of the best things, right? So so anyway, we're in this no man's land in in Hong Kong airport in the ferry section, about to get on the ferry. And Sunny had bought the tickets and very organized. She got a friend in China to get them in advance. So we go up to the counter and we're ready to go. And we we got there at seven and the ferry left at eight. And so the woman behind the counter says to us, oh, right, oh, no, well, look, you know, I mean, that's fine, you've got your tickets, but your bags might not be off the plane in time. 
to go onto the ferry. Mm. And we're like, right, well, can we go and get them? Well, no, you just have to wait and see. What's the latest? 7.30. If the bags don't come by 7.30, you can't get on the ferry. Okay, now if we couldn't get on the ferry, you know, I had the talk at the university was the next morning at 10 a.m. And we're talking at 7 p.m. now in Hong Kong. So that's, that's a challenge. And then we say, well, what happened if, if the bags don't arrive? How do we then get our bags? Well, if the bags don't arrive, then what happens is they'll be sent back in and then they'll go back out into the Hong Kong customs. So we'll have to go back into the sort of airport section and out through customs to get our bags. We calculated like it could be 10.30 by the time we even got mm-hmm. our bags. Now, that's a situation where I know people that would be very stressed yeah. and panicking. But we just sat down and, first of all, we tried to respond, not react. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the four coaching tools that I used in this talk were you know, responsibility versus blame. Didn't blame anyone, not ourselves, not Sunny, not the friend, not the very people, because that is just a waste of energy. And we thought strategically and we problem solved and we worked out a backup plan and we sat down and did that for about five or ten minutes before then, you know, waiting for the bags. In the end, they did arrive and we, we continued with our journey. But the, that's a, just a classic example of things that happen all the time when you're traveling. Mm-hmm. And as coaches, I think we're so lucky because we can use these skills on ourselves to make sure we get through okay. Yeah. I agree. I think that's a beautiful way to end. Travel can support our businesses, and it can also stretch us. I think in a certain way with a certain approach, travel makes us better coaches. Mm-hmm. So whether you choose to do a little bit or a lot, or like Robin, I think you've got more travel coming up, hey? Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, you guys, you've got to help me out here. I need Robin to take me on a trip somewhere. Um, yeah, and I'm I, thinking that <laughs> I think I'd in China have your... Are calling you that's what I'm thinking shameless plug for that <laughs> hope you enjoyed the episode though that was a fun one Robin yeah that was very cool we'll see you when we're all back in our offices bye for now see you later if you want to become an accredited coach drop Robin a line at robin at coachcampus.com or visit www.coachcampus.com if you want to build your own successful coaching business Drop Andrea a line at Andrea at WealthyThoughtLeader.com or visit www.WealthyThoughtLeader.com. Did you find this podcast helpful? Swing by iTunes to let us know your thoughts. 